0: the beyond the studio podcast and you're listening to season two beyond the studio west coast edition i'm amanda adams and i'm
1: nicole muller and we're here to help you figure out the business of being an artist here we'll share honest conversations with artists makers and business experts and dive deep into the work that happens beyond the studio Support for this season comes from Southern Exposure's Alternative Exposure Grant Program in partnership with Facebook's Artist-in-Residence Program and the Andy Warhol Foundation. If you find value in listening to Beyond the Studio, we'd love to ask you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It's the easiest way to show us some love and to help others find the podcast. Thank you so much in advance for letting us know what you think and for supporting the show. You might hear some adult language used occasionally on the show, so please be mindful of those around you and pop in some headphones if needed.
0: When I'm not working on the podcast, I'm working on my fiber art and illustration brand, Close Call Studio. So if you want to follow along with my own journey, you can check me out on Instagram at Close Call Studio or check out my website at CloseCallStudio.com. It's Nicole here, your other
1: Beyond the Studio co host. I'm a painter, muralist, and installation artist. If you want to see more of my work and studio process, you can find me on Instagram at Nicole Marie Muller or my website, which is Nicole Marie Muller m-u-e-l-l-e-r.com. On today's episode of Beyond the Studio, we're talking with Katie Ann Gilmore from Los Angeles, and we are really excited to hear more about her story. So Katie, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me absolutely
1: so for our listeners who aren't already familiar with your work would you mind just giving a brief introduction to the kind of work that you make and then we can dive into your creative journey from there
2: Yeah, that sounds great. So everything I do is pretty like linear and structural. I'm very interested in lines and grids and kind of like repeated simple structures. So I do that a lot through murals um, and then also working with the gallery here in LA. So I make some smaller pieces for them, but everything is pretty linear. And then also a pretty basic color scheme, a lot of black and white, sometimes some blue or gray. Just
1: to give a little background on um, your life in general, could you tell us a little bit about your early journey, like where you grew up or where you're from?
2: Um, I'm from the Midwest. So I came out to LA almost eight years ago. And I think growing up in the rural Midwest is really interesting because I didn't really have anyone around me that was, you know, an artist and they were working full time. So I think that has kind of come into my life at a later point. But growing up, like a lot of people, I'm sure I've always enjoyed making things and kind of thought, if I could do this for my life, I'd be happy. But I didn't really think it was possible, you know, that it wasn't like a practical sort of thing. And I had never even really been to a gallery and then museum, maybe on some field trips, but I didn't really have much exposure to what that could be besides, you know, someone making crafts and selling it that way, but not like the sort of working with gallery sorts of things. So growing up, I was always interested in art. I was always drawing something. I went through this phase in junior high where I just drew tons of houses. Like all I did was draw houses and was obsessed with Sims, but um, just, like, building the the house, though, I never let them live their lives, because that was all I cared about, so I'd use that Rosebud Just the architectural part. (laughs) Oh, my God, I was going to ask if you used Rosebud. Yes, so I would just make, like, tons of money, and then I would just make the coolest houses, and then I'd be done, and all of my siblings are, like, actually playing the game, and I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm good. I don't really care about their lives. I just wanted to build the house. So um, I was always really interested in sorts of architecture things too. So at a point I thought, oh, maybe I'll be an architect. And then I did actually kind of revisit that thought when I was around 25, about five years ago, but um, decided not to go that path. But I think those sorts of thoughts have influenced what I make without being you know, directly connected to it, like working as an architect. And then also I've been very interested in math um, from a young age, so everyone I think people placed that idea in my mind a little bit, but it made sense that they were like, oh, you should be an architect because you love art and math. And I think that was the <laughs> only response people really like knew how to connect them. And again, architecture is like a practical application of those sorts of interests. Never was it like, oh, you could be an artist. So I feel really happy to have found my interests, like other things that I've been interested in and able to do that and you know, by just doing art and not having to seriously go down another sort of path. And like in school, always loved math, but I I got my bachelor's in it. But I was never like, you know, super brainiac. Like I wasn't going to go get my PhD or anything in it. Um, I worked Uh really hard for like my grades. And I think it was a good level of interest that it makes me just interested enough that I can kind of pull and understand from those sorts of ideas, but not enough that I felt extreme pressure, you know, to keep pursuing that. So I think that was a really good balance for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's always so fascinating to hear of people's early creative backgrounds Mm -hmm. and what some of those first influences were and then to kind of see how maybe that comes into play later in life. But I'm really curious, like where did the shift start to happen? So you went to undergrad to study art and mathematics because those were the kind of like natural next steps for you. But then how did that start to shift or or did it even at that point um, into like what maybe your life and career was gonna look like afterward and then you know going on to pursuing graduate school. Like, did you have early creative mentors that were eventually kind of guiding you in those new directions or were you starting to see more examples of other people living out you know their lives in different ways or um, like how did those new ideas of what your life could look like start to take
2: shape growing up thankfully even though it wasn't like oh art can be a full-time thing I did feel very encouraged from my parents or from teachers to kind of keep honing those skills so I really give a lot of credit to that that even though it wasn't at that point thinking oh, I can do this full-time it wasn't something that they said oh my gosh don't Spend your time on this. This is worthless. So I feel really grateful for that. So by the time I got to college, I still didn't think, oh, I'm going to have an art career. I went to a liberal arts school, which I think was really important for me because I had so many different interests, which I think is important for what I make today. So I went in to study art, but it wasn't like a fine art sort of situation. And at that point, I kind of had this idea instilled in me that art was a little bit lesser than, like less intellectual or like less of a lofty pursuit. And thankfully, I've kind of shifted that around. But at that point, I was like, oh, well, I should do math because it's better (laughs) in some way. So Mm -hmm. most of my focus was on that. And then it wasn't until the end of graduate school, like kind of like my senior year that I thought, okay, I'm going to try to focus on this more. Like I just kind of skated by a little bit. I didn't really enjoy going to my art classes. I didn't really enjoy any of it. I, yeah, I just was kind of doing it because, oh, this is something that I enjoy. So then finally my senior year, I kind of got everything together and I was like, wait, no, this could be something. And at that point, I hadn't really quite decided... It's possible to do art full time or even not even even full time, but even like pursuing, you know, exposing. And yeah, say, oh, still I'm, even an artist. Point. Yeah. You know, I wanted to leave the Midwest um, and a good way to do that. I thought that was like pretty practical was graduate school because no one can really fault you, I think, for moving across the country if you're going to school because it's. Yeah, school. So that's, I felt like it was a safe that's yeah, more socially acceptable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I felt like it was a safe way to sort of explore that. And I also did like a low residency program, which I think was really important for me because I was able to work at the same time to be able to afford school. So coming out of undergrad, I was definitely not in the place where I thought, oh, I could do this seriously. I think I was just beginning to put more seriousness into it, but until then, it was kind of something that I just did on the side, and everything else was a little bit more. Important. But then thankfully in graduate school, things started to turn. I think even when I graduated, I still wasn't at that point. I remember making like a five or 10 year plan or whatever that was. And I guess I I only finished graduate school like four and a half years ago. So I'm not even at the five year point. And I've like yeah, the goals I was setting, it's like, wait, what, why? That wasn't even anything. So it's really (laughs) exciting to look back and think like, I couldn't have even dreamed of the projects I've been able to do or the people I've been able to work with or meet. So that's always a great feeling. So after finishing graduate school, I still wasn't at that point where I was kind of afraid to set lofty goals. You know, you don't want to say, oh, I want to work with this gallery or have this many shows or do this sort of thing because you don't want to, disappoint yourself. So I think that was kind of the yeah. undercurrent of my mind, you know, I didn't want to didn't want to get too ambitious <laughs> because I didn't <laughs> want that to like kind of bring me down. So after I finished graduate school, um, a couple months later, I quit that full-time job. It was just doing accounting sort of stuff, and then I just started drawing more because I had quit my job <laughs> and needed to do something and I thought oh, I'll just sell these to like buy some groceries because I had no other income coming in and it was kind of like living on savings, but that wasn't going to last very long. So I started posting more drawings on Instagram. And before that, Instagram was like a social thing for me instead of like a work thing. So I kind of made that shift. And then eventually, after a lot of work... things finally started to pick up. So I think the major shifting point, like the initial one for me was towards the beginning of 2015, I was offered a full-time job. You know, I'd been searching and saying no to that job and saying, okay, well (laughs) now you really have to do it because you're making this decision that this is going to be your job, you know, art is instead of this full-time job. So that was a really, I think, empowering decision, but then also terrifying because, you know, you yeah, it was for real now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm interested in kind of honing in on these transitional moments um, because these are, are really life altering decisions, Mm -hmm. you know? And so you moved out to California to pursue your MFA in visual art through the low residency. So meanwhile you're working, it was at the accounting job the whole time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this was also a full-time job alongside your school.
2: Yeah, so the low residency pro- residency program it's like broken up into three years instead of two. So it's basically full time, but more focused in the summer and in the winter. So I was able to use vacation time for school, but I worked 30 hours for the first year and a half, and then 40 hours a- or 40 hours a week for the second half. So it was it was really busy. Like I would go to work from you know eight until five or whatever, and then work on art from five until ten, and then I was 22 and 23, so I could like squeeze in front time after that, but now once 10 comes I'm like
1: right that <laughs> time a lot yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: so yeah. what were
1: you kind of envisioning for yourself at that point because you're hustling really hard to work to gain a graduate degree in the arts were you thinking that you might go down the path of becoming an architect were you thinking that you would have some kind of day job and that you know art would be something you did outside of that or I'm interested before you kind of made the shift like what were you thinking might those? like that initial five-year plan you know like what do you think it was going to look like
2: definitely having a job like some sort of random office job working a nine-to-five and then doing art after that because I kind of had the mentality which is good and responsible I think that oh I want to pay off my loans I want to make sure everything Mm -hmm. is settled um so that was definitely what I kind of envisioned to happen but I think I wasn't able to see maybe a responsible way outside of that could be by doing art and hustling hard because it it all just seems so far. You know, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have, I mean, I only had the few connections I had at graduate school, um, which one professor I had then, she's helped me. Like I've kind of stuck with her since then. I worked for her a little bit as a studio assistant after I quit my job and she's been able to help make me some connections so that's been great but at that point I was like I don't I don't even know where to start so it just seemed overwhelming (laughs) and um, I thought I just need to get some random job in an office and then kind of do my time and then maybe when I'm like 40 (laughs) do art full-time or something. Right
1: yeah so when you left the accounting job it sounds like you were looking for other similar jobs like still thinking that was the reality. Yeah,
2: Yeah. the full-time job that I was offered, I think it was some sort of admin or office assistant job, but still that sort of, you come in, you do your time. And it's funny because one of my thoughts was, because I was posting on Instagram a, a lot back then, and I've kind of like slowed down over time. I think just... Because I, well, I could, yeah. <laughs> just as like, I don't, I, f- I don't feel the it need take to post as much day. anymore. <laughs> it's like a, yeah. Social media, I feel like I have a love and hate relationship with. I think just based yeah, upon, I yeah. I
1: think we all do. Yeah, we can yeah, die But it <laughs> sounds like after. this was a real um, <laughs> yeah. something that helped build momentum mm-hmm. early on in your yes. career, especially.
2: Yeah. So now I kind of tell myself that as long as I'm making enough money and getting the jobs that I need to, that's good. But at this. Point, it was like posting a lot. And I thought, well, if I have an office job, I'm not going to have any natural light to take photos during the day. <laughs> so that just seemed like, well, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so um, oh I think that was kind of a major factor for me too, was that I I wasn't quite really I mean, I think at that point, I maybe only had like 5,000 followers, but I saw the momentum kind of picking up that I wasn't quite in the black yet, you know, still kind of not making enough to cover all of my expenses, but I felt like it just felt like it was the beginning. So I'm really proud of past Katie for doing that. (laughs) I mean, that was like... Yeah,
1: it's a big risk to to make a decision. (laughs) Yeah. especially when you have an opportunity in front of you to to make a conscious move to go in a different direction. What were some of the things going through your head at that time? Like you were starting to just see a more optimistic view of your potential as an artist and really wanted to go all in on that? Or like, how did you make that decision to say no?
2: Yeah, I think optimism is a good keyword for that because I didn't quite feel like I was in the place that I really wanted to be. But I felt I felt it it coming and I think at that point too when people would ask me what I did for a job, you know, when I meet new people, I'd say, "Oh, I I draw, or I, you know, I make this or that." And that had kind of shifted because before then, I would say, "Oh, I'm a financial coordinator." Or if um, it was in between jobs, like I had started, like when I quit my job, I started dating more because I wasn't meeting anyone new. So I thought this will be a good <laughs> chance to meet some new mm-hmm. people. So whenever I'd meet a new guy and they'd ask what I do, I was like, "Oh, well, I, you know, I was working as a finance coordinator, and now I'm looking for." a job I would bring in the art thing but it wasn't like oh this is what I really do so I think also I started to notice that shift when I decided to say no to that full-time job was that when I would meet new people I was you know showing them what I was making and I think because I kind of felt like I had built up a little bit that I could show them my, my Instagram and they'd be like oh no you're you're legit you're making things and so I think at that point I felt yeah I felt like I could sort of begin to embody it. And that was really what gave me some momentum to make that decision. And feel like people weren't going to laugh at me, which I think is something that (laughs) everyone deals with a lot. You know, you don't want to like, like I didn't want to make those over ambitious goals or I didn't want to say, oh, I'm going to be an artist. And then no one's really going to laugh at you, but you just feel like these self-imposed
1: limitations we all place on ourselves. And I think it's really interesting to hear about just the kind of mental shift around how you were perceiving your own work, because I think every artist kind of deals with that and has to, come into you know that in their own being able to, to claim that identity as an artist and so it's interesting to hear how that just shift in perspective really then correlated with the, the actual shift in your career because I think that's that's a really key part of it is just the psychological aspect
2: yeah, and thankfully I have, I have really amazing friends and they were really helpful during that point too because I think too, if you're trying to kind of embody that on your own, maybe you don't have people around you that are supportive. Like when I quit my job, my roommate thankfully was like, yeah, that was the right decision. But maybe another roommate would freak out and be like, oh, how are you going to pay the rent? (laughs) Um, So, um, and she's been one of my really good friends for a while. And so I think uh, that was really helpful too, just having that sort of support where I felt encouraged by others and kind of backed up that, oh yeah, yeah, no, you're doing your thing. You can totally do this. (laughs) Um, So I think that helped me make that decision as well. Yeah. It's so
0: difficult to take that step of being comfortable identifying as an artist like I know up until the point that I went fully self employed I still identified as a barista even if I was doing it only like 15 hours a week I'm like I'm a barista who happens to also do art Mm -hmm. despite the fact that most of my income is coming from art because I'm still clocking in somewhere else that's my first job apparently (laughs) yeah (laughs) like I don't I don't know why it's so
1: funny how we make these assumptions about like based on what right it's like mm-hmm. some perceived like social norm like I yeah. feel like we have to lead with
0: this more socially acceptable identity this is like a little bit of a segue uh but the projects that you're taking mm-hmm. on uh aside from doing work with your galleries yeah. a lot of mural work yeah um how did you start getting into murals
2: That kind of happens by accident a little bit. (laughs) Um, So the same year, early 2015, when I decided I'm not going to do that full-time job, I'm going to do the art thing. So I'd been drawing a a lot that year just doing tons of small drawings and kind of building that up and then um, uh, my undergrad asked me like where I'd graduated from several years before asked me to come back and do a show so that was great because it was really low pressure I think it was good for me to have a goal of something to work towards and then they were like do you want to try drawing on the wall because I had been drawing a lot and we were just like this would look really cool big so it was great because I had like again low risk that if it didn't work out or just going to paint over it no one was ever going to know (laughs) It was going to be fine (laughs) so I go and it actually worked out really well like I felt like I was good at working at that scale and then just really liked the finished product and then was able to get some good photos of it and it was just a really good experience and then those photos kind of got circulated around and I thought oh this is this is good (laughs) people like this um, and then I think a couple months after I got my first paid mural, which is really exciting, but then also really intimidating. So that was, yeah, only just a little bit over three years ago, which is insane. Oh, wow. In, which is, see, this is why my goals were so low. I was like, I, I, you wouldn't think, oh, Facebook, that'll or Google, that'll be a thing. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's really insane to me. I mean, it's been a lot of hard work, obviously, which I'm sure you guys know. Like, no, I know this all just happened without you having to try. Obviously, <laughs> yes, I just. Fell asleep and woke up. That's and what the internet told <laughs> no, me. <I'm just>
0: <laughs> yeah, so when you say
1: you had these photos that were circulated, do you mean on social media or was there other press around the show that
2: was starting to get picked up? Just on Instagram, yeah. So the show itself was like fine. I think the drawings are okay. It I get served its purpose for having me having a goal and kind of getting a little bit more eyes on my work, but really the stars of the show were the murals. So I did one inside of the gallery that no longer exists and then. I did one, like I finished that well really fast, like in three days and I had allotted a week. So I was like, Well okay (laughs) and then they asked if I wanted to do another wall I did a wall outside of the gallery which is still there which is really fun and that one has the environment around it was a little bit better than just in the gallery so that was really the one that kind of um circulated around yeah so it just got shared like on Instagram and then um people started to kind of see that from there and then again that was like another shift of thinking oh I I do murals now <laughs> and kind of sort of embodying that and having that as part of what I make as well which is awesome because so yeah the mural thing kind of took off and that was really fun to have as part of my practice and now I would say I do not quite 50-50 but most of my work would be mural well, or maybe gallery work throughout the year but it's a mix of it that some of it is mural work some of it's gallery work and then murals are the major chunk of my income for sure which was really unexpected it wasn't something that I kind of set out to do or thought could be a thing for me and so that has been really exciting because that was a surprise (laughs) so yeah what was this
1: first paid mural project that you did and had they seen your work on Instagram
2: yeah yeah so they had seen um, the images that were circling and it's in Burbank actually at a cafe near I'm probably gonna get the name wrong of what it's near, but it's near some of the studios or something. um, And it was through Branded Arts. So that was really fun, really cool project. And I think, yeah, it gave me confidence that, oh, this is something that people will pay for. And just, I have a lot of fun. You know, I think there's a difference between working like very tiny on the small, you know, smaller pieces that I do. I mean, they're not always small, but the small lines and then working like on a larger scale, it's definitely much more physical. And I think it's a good sort of balance to have. And then if I'm getting kind of bogged down on murals, it's like a break to go do studio work and vice versa. So I think that's been a really important part that's kind of helped diversify the stuff that I do. So I don't get too bored with something Thing or kind of stuck, kind of helps break that up a little bit.
1: Yeah. And was there a point when you were starting to more proactively seek out projects, or did they just start coming to you sort of naturally th- through one leading to the next?
2: They've started to come more naturally. Yeah, I think most of them have just been really, really natural. um And I think that's a hard part of being an artist, too, is that hoping the next job or knowing the next job is going to come. And I think that's something that everyone deals with. And um, so at this point, yeah, it's mostly been stuff coming to me. I think maybe a little bit was proactive, but I figure when something comes, like I'm definitely very proactive then because I'm going to make it, you know, the best proposal I can, really make sure it's all tight and all together and that if I do the job, you know, the best that I can. And I think that's something that I've told myself too, that as long as I'm working hard, taking care of myself, doing what I need to do, I just have to keep trusting and hoping that work is going to come. And if I feel like it's not coming, take the steps to make it come, you know, (laughs) and seek those jobs more. So um, I think that's probably the hardest part still and you know that's never going to end I don't think there's ever going to be a point where you know I'm just kind of a worrier (laughs) i like having my ducks in order and I think that's something that even if I have you know all the jobs in the world or all the money in the world I would still probably be a little bit paranoid that it was going to end sometime so I think it's also good to know about yourself because other people might not care as much about that but for me I've noticed that that's something that I you know, I want to take the steps that I can to make sure that I'm getting the jobs that I need to or that I'm trusting that I'm working hard right now. And I'm just going to trust that it's going to pay off in some way.
1: Yeah. And being aware of your own comfort zone so that you can kind of check yourself too when you're going into that zone of worry to bring yourself back.
2: Mm -hmm. Because I think too, that can affect your work for sure. You know, when you feel that sort of scarcity that, oh, jobs aren't going to come. I think you start to get laxed on your own ideas or doing things just because. And I think in the beginning, there obviously was a certain amount of, I have to take like every job that came my way because I was trying to get noticed. I just, I needed to do what I needed to do. And I felt really grateful a couple years in when I was able to kind of shift what I was making to more of what I really saw was in line with my concepts and um, kind of be a little bit choosier, which I feel really, really grateful for. That's a really hard part. If anyone has that figured out, you know how to not. Yeah, let us us know. I was going
0: to say, I'm definitely still working here that so I don't have any tips I also am a worrier and I feel like I'm I I don't know there are months where I'm worried that I don't have enough time to take care of all the projects yeah and then maybe the next month I'll be like nothing is coming my way I'm going to starve yeah I'm gonna have to pick up a job across the street like I don't know yeah
2: yeah yeah (laughs)
0: yeah Like, just, I don't know, I I think we tend to be our worst enemies mm-hmm. in those situations and be so, so tied with the way we feel about ourselves and our yeah. security with our creative work. And when one of them feels unstable, it kind of makes everything feel like it's unraveling. Yeah. And it's probably... Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think we are, yeah, I'm definitely the hardest person on myself. Like, I joke to my friends that I'm the strictest boss I've ever had (laughs) because I, you know, I think I'm also the best boss. I love being my own boss, but I think that being, you know, a little bit more worried has kind of helped me in a way when it's kept in check because, you know, I like to have things organized. I like to have things kind of coming up. I like to make sure that everything is kind of in order. So in a way, I think that makes me well-suited for being self-employed, but then, you know, there's the other side of it, keeping that in check and using it to motivate you, but then not to bring you down because I think a lot of our qualities probably have That sort of dynamic that it can be something really beneficial to you, but then if it gets out of control or you let it control you, then it might be bad. (laughs) And I think, you know, that's one of those things.
1: Yeah, and since we've been talking about the insecurities that we all kind of deal with as artists, I'm wondering how you are able to balance that out with advocating for yourself, um, especially when you're proposing projects, um, because I can relate to your experience with you know, having people interested coming to you, and I paint murals as well, and so trying to create a thorough budget and quote, you know, quote projects for them. Sorry, the dogs are playing
0: at my feet, so that's <laughs> what all the <laughs> grunting is. I just spilled tea is. all over myself. Just
2: a disclaimer there. We're a mess. But I swear, we, we're my my video doesn't even work. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's all good. So, when a mural, um, a potential mural mm-hmm. project comes to you, what's your process? Like, what are the next steps look like? And, you know, yeah. how do you make sure that you're adequately paid for your time for the project? Like, what does that look like?
2: Yeah, thankfully, I, in the beginning, when starting murals, I had um, a couple good people I could call upon to say that knew my work, kind of knew what I should be charging based upon my experience to kind of help me set that baseline, which is really helpful and has been helpful the years down the line. And one thing. Too that I tell myself when I am approached about a project, they've seen my past work so they they like that. It's not like they're expecting me to come up with some, you know, crazy new, innovative, whatever. Um, Obviously I want to do my best for each project and grow each time. And um, I'm always trying to add a little bit to what I'm making each time. I'm definitely one of those people that I, I like sticking with one concept for a while. Like I'm going to wear it out. (laughs) Like I just want to keep, keep with kind of what is in that skill set, but then also bring new elements into it. But so I tell myself that for a project that they're not expecting like, you know, me to, you know, they, they want my work because they've seen my past work. So I like trying to make things specific for the space. So usually when I'm starting out with, you know, whatever guidelines I'm given for what the wall is, a lot of sketching in the beginning. And then based upon that, like how detailed the project is will correspond with the budget. And then um, maybe they have some constraints too. So trying to work in that, but a lot of a lot of the planning goes on in the beginning, like before I even put um, a marker pen to the wall. Uh, So I'll have everything kind of sketched out and then do a lot of like Photoshopping to put composites onto the wall and make sure everything looks good. And SketchUp, I love SketchUp so much, just like I love Sims. (laughs) The same sort of thing. Like, so usually it's like helpful for me and I think helpful for them to build a sort of SketchUp model and then, place the images onto that and then I can kind of like walk through to see where there might be trouble spots um so usually before a mural I kind of have everything planned and uh the proposal process is helpful for that because um you know I want to make sure uh like some some advice I had in grad school um was that you know make it let there be no doubt that you can't do it this way, like have it so nicely together that there's no doubt that you can't achieve it. And I think that helps give me confidence as well because I've run through it so much in my head. Um, Like growing up playing sports, I would do a lot of like, like coaches would tell you to do like visualizations. So to like picture yourself getting that kill, like I played volleyball a lot. Um, So I think I've done the same thing here that before I do a project or before I'm packing for a mural, I kind of like run through each day in my head, which has helped me to avoid, um, like foresee some issues. So I'm not like scrambling on the spot and inevitably something is going to go wrong because that's life. <laughs> but because I feel so prepared and um, so confident that I can I can do it, I feel better about trying to handle whatever might come. And there's, yeah, there's, I'm a human, so something is going to go wrong. But I just, I feel much better about being able to handle that because there is like a plan and I feel like I've run through every other thing that could go wrong. (laughs) So that's really helpful to me. Like I'm a, like a plan like crazy. And, um, I think it might, someone else might be able to do it in a different way and that's not me. So (laughs) this is the way that I found that, you know, works best for, yeah, when I'm trying to do a project.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's helpful for communication with clients because I know that a realization for me was how important that that visualization was, you know, because like you said, people are coming to you because they've seen and they like your work, which is true. So I think there may be an assumption that they'll just trust that you're going to create something great for them. But Mm -hmm. what I've realized in um, starting to do more client based work as well as just, you know, paintings in the studio is that you really have to be able to bring them along with your process and to show them every step of the way. So I like that you mentioned that you're creating these really um, detailed plans and helping them visualize the piece even if you can see what it's going to look like in your mind's eye but yeah I'm sure that's helpful and then so are you factoring in things like scale or labor or like what kinds of factors are um, you using with pricing out the projects
2: the scale of the mural for sure how detailed it is whether it's indoor or outdoor and then based upon the design I pick how long is that going to take yeah so those are really helpful and kind of And I think I've done enough that I've been able to price it for what makes sense. I think in the beginning, it was a little bit of a learning process to figure out how much it should cost, you know, for what it is. And I think too, because there is so much planning that goes on in the beginning, you don't don't think about that. You just think about, oh, the days I'm there doing the mural, but I've kind of learned that to account for that also. It's not like I just show up and then everything is magically there and I didn't do any thinking beforehand. It's a good chunk of the process I think is before the mural even starts, which not everyone may understand. And I, I don't know if it's different for other murals, but definitely for my work, I rely on it being, you know, really planned out because things are fairly exact. So there's not a lot of room for messing up.
0: Yeah. And if you're naturally a planner and Mm -hmm. like being super organized is what you need to like
2: approach a project
0: with a cool head, I I think it's so necessary to understand your personality and and what you need in order to approach a project to feel like it's a success for you. And I feel like that's something that I've been working on a ton lately is trying yeah. to be about my own needs and capabilities.
2: I think that's one of the hardest parts for me too, is that, you know, in any career, I think anyone is going to compare themselves to those around them. And I might see that someone might not need to do that and feel like, well, why am I, why am I spending so much time doing that? But realizing, no, that's how I work best or whatever constraints or boundaries I kind of need to put on myself, like scheduling wise, or what projects I pick, what I don't or taking breaks from social media um i think just understanding yourself is really important because yeah just like your work is different from other people's your personality is different or how you work best is different and i'm sure that's something i'm going to keep discovering you know as time goes on learning more about myself how to you know continually tackle like the self-employedness of life <laughs> which it's, I don't think there's going to be a day when I'm like, oh, this is easy. You know, I think it's learning more, like, how to build those structures around what you need and um, working within those as time goes on. Yeah. Whoever said, if you work for yourself, you'll never work again in your life. <laughs> Lied. Such a liar. <laughs> Such a, I mean, at least it's fun. There are definitely days, though, when I'm like, are you kidding me? I just don't. I just can't. I don't. Yeah. And I think... Oh, totally. Um, Yeah, I feel like sometimes people think that, oh, you get to draw or paint all day. But no, there's a lot of time that's spent on phone calls or like emails or typing out proposals or, um, yeah, different things that aren't really exciting.
1: Well, you've done a really good job, I think, of giving us some insight into your process in general when it comes to approaching these mural projects. And you've done some really incredible pieces for pretty well-known companies, I would say, like through Facebook's Artist in Residence program, um, for Uber, and then most recently I saw through Google. Yeah. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about just some of the projects specifically that you've worked on or like what the working relationship has been like working for um, these larger companies?
2: Yeah. It's actually been really cool. And I think something that, again, I wouldn't have ever considered to be a part of my career, but I really love that these companies that have money, you know, to spend, (laughs) that they are supporting artists. And um, I think seeing the benefit of that, of art for art's sake just in an office or kind of helping to grow and develop your practice especially with the google one that one was really fun and really interesting because I got the chance to use tilt brush for the first time which is their virtual reality drawing program and something that I'd been interested in but kind of felt like for some reason it just seemed you know really intimidating that oh there's all this equipment and then you know you have to do this and do that so it was nice that A large company was willing to say, We think this is something that artists should be able to use and know about, and kind of took away those, like that sort of intimidation factor, which is really nice. So I felt like all the companies I've been at, I felt really encouraged to keep doing what I'm doing and that there was support there, which I think, yeah, it was not something that I would have ever really expected, but I feel really grateful that you know they saw my work knew I was felt enough to bring me in and then I could see that it was like genuine not just oh we have to get an art you know artist on this wall or whatever (laughs) that I felt really supported which has been really nice.
1: Yeah, that is really refreshing to hear. Would you have any advice for artists that might be listening and are maybe not as experienced with working the scale of projects, but let's say they're approached by a big opportunity like this for the first time, like things that you've kind of learned along the way that might be helpful to know?
2: Yeah, I think if they have anyone that knows about murals and knows what they're making, like that person individually, I would say try to think if there's someone that you could maybe just reach out to and say, hey, this opportunity came up. Do you have any thoughts about budget or anything else? And because I think that's the hardest part, you know, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to multiply this out and then this is what it's going to be. I think having an idea of what would be a reasonable reasonable price for what you're making and realize too that in the beginning, you know, you want to always be kind of increasing in your budget and not, you know, maybe aiming too high. Get what you're worth. But <laughs> I think it's good to realize that, you know, it's something to build up on. And I think as you gain more experience and kind of have more projects and just for the logistical part, that this is something that's helped me is just draw a lot, like draw it out on paper with the dimensions of the wall and kind of have everything planned out in that way. And maybe drawing on a tablet would be good for you or whatever it has to be so that you can kind of see how the wall will be experienced in person. Because I think that's the most important part. Maybe it is just a flat wall, but when someone walks around it, you know, the mural is going to change. And that's something that obviously I highly value in my work is dealing with perspective. But I think that's something that anyone can benefit from if they're doing a mural for the first time is to think about those different vantage points and just how you're, going to get it up there. (laughs) Um, For me, I use like a coordinate system and that's how I can kind of like lay everything out. Yeah. So if there's something that would work that way for you, or maybe you need to project it, I think just thinking through the entire process is really helpful and realize the first time that you're going to be learning as you go. You're probably not going to be able to figure out everything that you need to I did my first outdoor mural it was the middle of 2017 and that was definitely like a well we're just gonna <laughs> we're just gonna figure this out you know I took what I had learned from working indoor and then kind of scaled it up and was able to think of really fun creative solutions to figure out how to translate that to a wall like using a mason line tied to a vanishing point and that's how I kind of made everything line up and I think just having confidence in yourself to be able to figure out, what challenges you might face with the design. Um, So as you're designing it, try to think, how can I get this on the wall? And if you're not quite sure, either be okay or the client be okay with you saying, I'm going to try this, but I'm not sure about this part. And then maybe thinking of a backup solution. So I think the best that you can think through everything that you're doing and try to figure out how to get it up on the wall. I think that's probably the biggest challenge You know that it can seem ridiculous sometimes. And I'm so amazed by people that, um, you know, if they're doing portraits or anything that involves a person, first of all, I can't draw people at like, at all. <laughs> and whenever you tell people are an artist, they're like, oh my gosh, can you, can you draw me? I'm draw like, my picture. I'm like, no, yes. I can't. Like, you don't. I mean, it, it will look like a person, but it's probably not gonna, like, maybe it'll look like your cousin, but it's not gonna look like you. Um, so. You're not asking the right person. No, let me, let me point you to someone else. Um, so I think every artist is gonna have their own challenges for figuring out how to put it up there. And that might be something that, if you know, if someone is working with lines, like reaching out to me or someone else that has worked with lines. I did that actually for the outdoor mural, Mary Iverson, who does a lot with perspective lines. I was like, how do you do this? And I think, um, yeah, most of the time artists are going to be willing to share what they're doing. Maybe not like super secret stuff, but just in general about here's how I've um, solved this problem and are really willing to help share the information. So I think that's another piece of advice is to maybe find an artist who has done some larger pieces or larger walls and you could see how maybe their, their process for getting it up, translated up onto the wall might be helpful to you. So I think too, just don't be afraid to ask someone else. They could just say no and then you could just ask the next person (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
0: as artists we definitely face a lot of rejection throughout our careers Mm -hmm. but I think we often kind of hold ourselves back out of fear of rejection like yeah that
2: shit happens all the time yeah yeah Yeah. it's okay worst
0: case scenario someone says no (laughs) and then you just move on and ask next person yeah
2: and be okay with making mistakes for your first year olds, that it's you're not you don't have the system down yet so that's okay
0: yeah we're all learning and growing as we go mm-hmm. yeah and this kind of references back to what you had mentioned before but i had listened i can't remember where i heard it i want to say it was a podcast <laughs> i heard this conversation where uh someone was talking about struggling with feeling like what they're working on right now is not a huge deal or like yeah. their current projects are not that big of a deal but then when they shifted their perspective to like okay well what was me five years ago thinking I would you know what did I expect for myself at this point now and like what you were saying like five years ago you you thought you were not even close to what you've been able to accomplish and like you're far exceeded it just hearing that was such a helpful perspective shift for me because I think I've often been looking at my own work and I'm like
2: this is garbage yeah
1: always relative to where you want to be and not maybe Maybe where where you you were
2: oh yeah that's a really good point um yeah I think it has been really helpful for me to look back because I do tend to be really hard on myself like I think most artists are and there have been times where I'm not super stoked about what I'm making but I don't know what's going to happen you know in three years or three months or whatever but even looking back and thinking well where was i at at this point in time and okay i've i've done some things <laughs> and i think just being confident about about that because i think a recurrent theme throughout my life is that i don't feel like i'm ever going to be satisfied with like much money I'm making or what jobs I'm getting. I think there's always gonna be that I wish I you know I could do more, I could do better. And I think just kind of quieting that voice and saying, but look look what I've done. (laughs) You know, I've done I've done a lot. Um, and I think that's important to keep doing because that's gonna be a skill that will hopefully help you know continue throughout life as you're in art for the long run and not just working for now and then maybe getting burnt out or feeling dissatisfied so you stop. Um, I don't know. Hopefully this will help as time goes on.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like you want to find a sustainable pace for yourself and find a a healthy relationship with your work and a healthy relationship with yourself and set the right boundaries (laughs) that you need in order to be able to, to pursue your work and your life and not have one suffer severely for the other. And of course, there are always times where that balance, quote unquote, that maybe doesn't exist at all. But there are definitely times where it shifts one way or the other. What are some processes that you have for kind of setting those boundaries for yourself?
2: I think the main one is being careful about when and how many projects I book. I definitely like to have a little bit of breathing area in between and whether that's like just spending time in the studio so doing that sort of work or maybe I just need to take some time off or just knowing the constraints that I need because I i mean throughout all of school I was always just Working all the time back to back, like pushing myself to the limit, which I think is really good. But in different little phases, I don't think you can go at one hundred and ten percent all the time. So I think for me, it's really helpful to like actually put in those breaks because otherwise I will just keep going, and I definitely don't want to get burnt out. I don't want like friendships to suffer. I don't want yeah just to feel like I'm not taking care of myself. I've noticed that's really important to make sure that you're doing okay yourself because you won't be able to make work if you're not. (laughs) And that's the most important thing, I think. So the biggest thing is just setting those boundaries for even though I might want to do everything and anything and work back-to-back all the time, just being okay and trusting that, okay, these are the jobs I need to do. You know, I need to make this money and just being good with that, with like the limit I need to set and also realizing that you're always going to have more time or money than the other. Also knowing that as well to kind of help contribute to that balance. So it might be that, oh shit, I do need to take this job because I need money and then figuring out, okay, how can I balance everything else around that? Because my time is going to suffer. So I need to be careful about how I'm parsing that out. Yeah. So I think just being very aware that I'm not this other person that from what it appears, you know, online, they're working all the time, which we all know that's probably not the case. So I think just being like kind to myself and saying, you you don't need to do that in it for the long game. Work your best at what you're doing and work hard and work, you know, well, but it's not like a, a race, you know, or a sprint or if I get to this point, then I'll be done and satisfied because... I don't think that's the case. I don't think there's going to be a point where I've said, oh, I did this job and now I'm satisfied.
1: I think, yeah, it's important to hear that you'll always feel as if you have one or the other, like more time or more money, which is helpful because I think that the idea of being self-employed or working for yourself is that you're, yeah, the time and money equation is totally balanced. But just hearing that, that's always something that you have to like move between and yeah. to continually negotiate
2: um, is helpful too.
0: Yeah. What does a typical day look like for you in the studio? Or do you have typical days?
2: I think if I, like if I'm working towards a show, I definitely have a sort of typical day where I get up, first have coffee. Usually I'll have made like a to-do list the night before or something. And like with a small task to just feel like, okay, I've accomplished something and make me continue to get going. So if I'm working towards a show, it's just going to be whatever work I'm working on. And sometimes it could be an eight hour day. Sometimes it could be a 14 hour day. (laughs) Um, And I think it just depends. Like we were talking about before that there's going to be those times where you're going to have to work a lot. And as long as i put those breaks in i feel balanced overall you know there's obviously going to be times where you're like i'm so tired but because you feel confident in what you're making or you know you're working towards a goal i think that usually helps like in the long run you know you feel like you're working towards something so when i'm working towards a show that's it it's usually ideally a day is where i'm working you know on a piece uninterrupted but sometimes you run out of things and you have to run to the home depot or to wherever else so um, i think it's usually a mix but kind of in between shows or when I'm working on murals, I'll be working on proposals. Maybe I have a couple projects in the pipeline that pass the proposal phase and kind of finalizing for. So a lot of that, which involves like a lot of sketching, a lot of planning, a lot of sketch upping. (laughs) And then also kind of a constant is email, which I'm sure most people don't love. (laughs) And so there are those logistical. It's my favorite part. Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I definitely think, <laughs> so I think those logistical things are sort of constants and they take up a fair chunk of time. And there are some days where I just need to catch up on all of that. And then I don't even paint. So I think sometimes people think that it's like this romantic sort of idea that, oh, you wake up and you know, you open Every the windows. An and, yeah. <laughs> and there are definitely days where it's like you get in the groove and you get going, but I think depending upon there's different phases at different points in the year, like what, what am I working on? Am I working towards a show? Am I currently working on a mural? Do I have a mural coming up? Am I in a break? Or am I focusing on logistical stuff? So I think they're really like a typical, typical day, um, which I actually like. You know, I love setting a routine for myself and I love planning. And I think that kind of helps me maintain some structure. So I think within those like pockets of what typicalness might look like for those few months or whatever. I kind of get in a routine with that. But then it always is refreshing that after I've maybe been in mural mode for a few months to kind of switch back to studio mode, which I think keeps it from getting too repetitive or dull, which is really important for me at least.
1: Yeah, we were just talking about that during our last episode, actually, a conversation that Amanda and I had about setting structure and routines for yourself, especially when you are self-employed and also being able to like zoom in to figuring out what your day-to-day looks like and then zoom out and to keep the bigger picture goals in mind or know like what upcoming projects you're working towards. So it's cool to hear you talk about that because I know that's something we're navigating to. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any like advice or tools or things that you use to help with that i just the organizational kind of like admin end
2: of things i use excel or google sheets a lot um for particular projects that, you know, I kind of, especially if I have a handful of potential projects that I might get them confused on where I'm at in the phase with each of them if I don't write them down. So I usually make some sort of chart with where they're all at and then kind of keep them in that potential phase until they're confirmed or maybe moving on on the project. Um, So that's really helpful for me. um, But I know that's something I love. So not everyone might be super into Excel. Yeah,
1: so it's like a project management tool to track things moving like, through the pipeline.
2: Yeah, like a, like a low-level sort of database. And then also when I'm keeping track of works that I've made, especially when a show is coming up, I also use Excel for that or Google Docs. And then that has a double benefit of being able to share it with my gallery. So if I'm kind of keeping here's the list of works I'm making and like which ones need to be touched up, which ones need to be varnished. So that's helpful for me. And then I think also to kind of clearly communicate that across the board, which I found to be really helpful. So anything that involves like lists or charts, that is my go-to. And then recently I've started using a paper planner just because I love writing down to-do lists and I usually just kind of kept them in a notebook, but I noticed I wasn't really like keeping a big a picture on like the bigger goals. So I got this like 3 month planner so you can kind of set like a goal for a few months, which seems super manageable Um, instead of like a new year's resolution or something for a year. Sometimes that seems like too big. So I've been using that. And then also you can set like weekly goals or daily goals. And then something that I appreciate is that it leaves room for like feedback on your day. Like what did, what did I feel like I did well? Or what did I maybe want to improve on? And I think that's really helpful for just kind of continually reassessing where you're going and not just sticking your nose down and working and not being aware of, yeah, what your overall goals are. Because I think it's really easy to get stuck in a trap and, oh, I need the money. So I need to do this, this, and this, and this. And then you kind of forget, wait, but my overall goal doesn't align with whatever I was trying to do there. So I think that's been a really helpful tool for me is just writing down those day-to-day lists and then kind of keeping a bigger picture on whether it be three months or a year or the week, which has been really helpful for me.
0: Yeah, and I feel like our the way that our brains work, there's something very satisfactory about being quite yes. literally cross things off of a to-do yeah. list, or check it off, mm-hmm. or like I don't know. It's like maybe your brain is releasing some endorphins or something. Yeah. With that little like satisfied like I've accomplished a thing. But I recently went back to a paper planner as well after trying to manage stuff on my phone. And I was yeah. Like, this is just hurting my wrist yeah. trying to like use my phone all day every day. But something about the paper, mm-hmm. it's great.
2: It is really satisfying. And I've noticed too if I feel like I haven't really done anything that day and I'm kind of like ugh. I'm not even moving. I'll write down things that I have done and then cross off. Yeah, <laughs> that, that makes you feel good too. Like I made like, the bed. Check. I, I, I brushed my I teeth. Check. I'm just throwing <laughs> checks everywhere. <laughs> it's really helpful though because yes. then you feel like okay, I have done some things, and maybe it wasn't like yeah. a work accomplishment day, but I did something that was really important for like my mental health or for like with friends or other things that kind of do help create that balance and then you can always reassess for the next day and say, okay, so if this is going to be, you know, this sort of day, what are the things I want to do? And yeah, I think it's just when you check things off too, it helps you feel better about what you have done as opposed to what you haven't done, which I think is something I focus on a lot is that, oh, this is on my list and I didn't get it done. But usually it's because I was super unrealistic in like writing down a million things I thought I was going to do that day. And like, no, of course it didn't get done. It's really unrealistic. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Once you get the ball rolling with writing down your list of stuff to do,
2: mm-hmm. you're
0: like, I'm going to write everything for the yeah. year on the same list. Yeah. This is today's list, though.
2: <laughs> and that's why I've really liked, like a planner that kind of focuses on like the week versus the month and everything, because then I can kind of move things around accordingly and be realistic about what is possible. But yeah, and there's only so many lines, which is nice, but then usually I'll kind of like add a few of my own. And once I start doing that, I'm like, Katie,
1: you've do, crossed over is <laughs> is that, to unrealistic yeah. territory.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, is that really? <laughs> Maybe you need to step back a little bit. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's so helpful to hear, though, because I think that the importance of having a system for tracking your goals is that much more important when you're also setting your own goals. So how do you know when you are making progress and how do you Mm -hmm. feel that sense of accomplishment? And it's like you have to create these ways to feel like you're moving forward and to be able to have like a quantifiable way of tracking what you've done. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate that because it's it's hard there's no
2: like yearly performance review (laughs) like no one sitting down with you and saying this which i which i love this is so much better (laughs) because it's like yeah and no one looking over your shoulder saying like you've gotten this done
1: this week so you really have to yeah manage your own schedule yeah. So one thing we haven't really talked a lot about since we've been focusing on your process for murals and commissions, and you've mentioned a little bit of gallery work, but is there anything else in the mix um, that you're spreading your time out between? Or how would you say in general the breakdown is between gallery shows and projects on kind of a larger like month to month basis for you?
2: Mm-hmm. I think it's it's been pretty even like the past year. I think In other years before I started doing so many projects, it was more heavily focused on studio work. So I think that kind of shifts over time. But like the beginning, so I just did that mural. And then for the next like three months, I'll just be be doing studio stuff because I'll have like a show in June at an art fair. And then for the rest of the year, it'll probably be... Like it's looking right now, like it'll be about half and half for projects and studio work. So I think it usually depends what's coming on the pipeline, but I've noticed that I kind of like that sort of balance that it's good for me, not only to have some income coming in, but also make sure that I'm kind of develop me, developing my ideas and like having time to think and kind of mature in what I'm making, which I think is really important for me. So that's something that like spending time in the studio can really help with. And over the years, um, I've started to be more okay with reading and research as studio time and I think that was something that I thought was oh my gosh no I need to keep making things and making things constantly but I think realizing how much more important breaks are to kind of reset your mind and read and think and that's been really important for me and it took a bit to be okay with saying, no, this, this is like an okay way to spend your day. (laughs) You're not wasting time. Um, you're learning. It's like professional development, which I think is really important because, because there is like that motivation to hustle, which is really good. But I, you know, it's good to kind of step outside of that and say, what am I hustling for? because I do think, like I mentioned, you can just get kind of on this track and you're not really seeing your overall goals. So thankfully for now, I do feel like splitting about half and half between um, projects or commissions, murals, and then um, working in my studio is supportive of where I see myself kind of continuing as the years come, which I think is Pretty similar to where I'm at, you know, I just want to keep developing those sorts of skills, but maybe being able to take on bigger clients or just kind of spreading out my work to a larger audience. But I think that's probably something I'll keep, need to keep reassessing, like, is the way I'm spending my time beneficial to what I where I see myself going?
0: I think it's so important to recognize that research and reading and emails and admin work, like, that is all part of the collective work. And it's easy to understand that when you're going to a job where you're clocking in somewhere where you're like anything I'm doing for this job is work. But it's so hard to apply that to yourself when you're used to creating a product or having a like a 2D or 3D final result. And it's easy to not count the work that gets you up to that point. Like I've been trying to, this is going to take forever, but I'm trying to start the process of illustrating my own tarot deck. And I'm like, I have so much research that I have to do to make sure that I'm getting the right symbols and coming up with a cohesive plan overall. And it took a little bit of time to justify like all of this reading, learning how to read the cards. Like this is all part of that overall project of I'm going to illustrate
2: these 78 images. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes we're so focused on like creating product that we don't really think about everything that has to go into it to make it better.
0: Yeah. And that includes social media as mm-hmm. well. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. every time I'm like, cool, I just spent 40 minutes lining up like three stories and making sure there weren't typos and. Right. It doesn't feel like work, but it gets people seeing my work, yeah. which gets people buying my work, which therefore leads to selling work. And that is all work. So it's work. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I definitely think there's like a lot of reframing that had to take place too in my mind as I thought like this all contributes towards what I'm trying to do, especially when, yeah, I did quit my job and was spending a lot of time on Instagram. I think I started referring that to that as my job (laughs) was to like draw a lot and then set up things for posts and kind of work along that avenue. And I think that kind of helped to shift things a little bit in my mind and then went through a similar phase with thinking about, I just feel like I need to spend more time reading or thinking and then being okay with that, being a part of the process. I think that's constantly a challenge because if you're not producing anything, sometimes it doesn't feel like you're making any sort of progress, but you
1: are. <laughs> How do you feel like um, living in LA has played into your work as an artist in terms of connections that you've made or the landscape? Like what kind of an impact has that had, do
2: you feel, on your work in life? I feel like moving here was one of the best decisions I've ever made, so that's <laughs> A really nice thing to feel. and um, yeah. I think like the art community at least I found has been pretty open and welcoming. Um, I think I was very lucky to meet some people that helped me build connections and then also was working really hard at the same time. So I think both of those together kind of lead to more connections and meeting more people. And I found that once I kind of started to focus on that, I found that people were welcoming and that I was able to keep making the things I wanted to and the people I was meeting were really supportive. So I don't know if that's like particular to LA, but that was really encouraging for me as I continued to grow and like my skills and what I was making. I think too, the landscape is just really awesome. Um, I love the desert. I love hiking. I love being outside. So that has been a way for me to work through ideas. Um, So maybe not like producing an actual product, but just kind of getting outside is really helpful for me to focus my mind away from work and then usually when I do that I think of better ideas so that's been really helpful and then yeah I think the landscape is just visually interesting as well Um, when I started focusing on art a little bit more everything I was making was like pretty mountainous and topographical which was fun for a bit but then decided I kind of like there was something else that I was trying to say with what I was making so shifted that but I was always really interested in like the light and space artists of California. So that I think has always been an influence in what I'm trying to, to make and dealing with respective and trying to make things seem larger than they are, kind of shift the viewpoint of what you're looking at. So I think just landscape, both mentally clearing things up and then kind of visually, has been really important. And yeah, I, I love it here. I hate the snow. So <laughs> this was a really good decision and move. <laughs> yeah. And where can
0: listeners find your work?
2: You can find me on Instagram at Kitty Ann Gilmore. And then uh, my website is kittyangilmore.com.
0: Thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing your story and for making the beautiful work that you make. Thank you. And if listeners, if you have not seen it, go look right now. It's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. This is really fun. Thanks guys.
1: That's it for this episode of the Beyond the Studio podcast. You can find show notes, references, and a brief summary of the episode over at our website, Beyond the .dot studio. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to find out about upcoming guests, special announcements, and podcast giveaways. When in reality, yeah, it's a lot more. Sorry, my <laughs> brother. Good. I'm watching my brother's puppy today, and I. Oh.
0: He's, it's fine I hope that our listeners are animal friendly oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I I like (laughs) sorry guys I thought the cat was about to join us I guess she has no
2: questions (laughs) I will gladly answer any questions from a cat